Hey guys, welcome to the Elite Coaching Podcast episode 6. Um, inside this podcast today we are going to be addressing the autonomic nervous system and the impact that the autonomic nervous system can have on our gastrointestinal function. To put that into very simple and easy to understand terminology, the implications a high stressed environment can have on your digestive track. Um, so just before we jump into the episode, I do want to apologize for my delay in getting the episodes out. And um, one thing that I really wanted to to focus on was the quality of the content that we put out. And you know, I do feel like more frequency of the episodes may just dilute the quality of the information. Again, this is supposed to be an educational platform um, where coaches and you know health and fitness enthusiasts can come and learn. Um, so I do want to keep them um, present and frequent, um, but not too frequent that we're just putting out information for the sake of putting out information. You know, I have a, a really, really exciting couple of episodes lined up with some really, really cool and interesting guests. Um, so over the next coming weeks, they will be coming a little bit more frequent. Um, so I do apologize in my slight delay um, in getting the episodes out. So Inside today's episode, you know, like I said, we're, we're really just going to dive into the effects that stress can have on on our on our digestive tract and to just really give you guys a, a good foundational understanding of stress and what stress is and the effect that stress can have on the body. So when we're looking at stress, we always have to think of it as, as both a mental and physical physiological shift change and when we're speaking about that physiological shift change that physiological shift change is going to come from the autonomic nervous system which we're going to go through in a moment but when we're speaking about stress I just want you to think about this uh, as probably the most easy way to, to kind of listen and follow is when we're speaking about that mental form of stress always think about that as the involuntary response of stress so when we're looking at stress, stress can be a voluntary and an involuntary reaction that our body can, can run through. When we speak about the involuntary, um, I do feel like that is the form of stress we find the most difficult to try and combat. You know, just our natural level of stress management techniques usually don't combat the involuntary stressors that well. So when we think about that involuntary response, uh, that comes more down to the line of, you know, financial stress, work stress, you know, relationship stress, things that necessarily aren't in our control, even though sometimes we may cause um, the issue of that stress, but it's something that's completely out of our control. It's kind of the, the shock of stress. Um, and then we also have the voluntary response to stress. So when we're looking at the voluntary response, that's more of a response that we cause so you know we walk into a gym tomorrow and we pick up 100 kilo off the floor we've caused our body to undergo that level of, of stress so usually we can control that response um quite well but when we're looking at you know the, the, the physiological shift change that can happen we need to get a really good grasp of both what is causing the voluntary and what is causing the involuntary but when we're speaking about stress management techniques we have to then recognize which is the voluntary and recognize which is the involuntary and just remember what i said we can usually manage the voluntary quite well so when we're speaking about how can we manage stress and how can we kind of put an action in place to um, condone the response 
we always have to just identify which one we're trying to push towards. Like I said, you know, we don't necessarily have to focus too much on that voluntary because we can always combat that ourselves naturally, but sometimes it's the involuntary that we need to that we need to be more careful of. And why we're kind of going through stress and and digestion together inside this episode is because one thing that is always very apparent whenever we suffer with digestive issues the first thing that i myself personally with clients will always look for is their level of stress and when we're looking at digestive function there's a massive piece of that puzzle is correlated towards stress and you know for for so many people as well they may think that they have you know some form of and food intolerances they may think that some or certain foods cause reactions but nine times out of ten it can be directly driven down to how your body is coping with the level of stress that we are under and when we're looking at that kind of brain to gut axis we always have to appreciate the fact that everything that happens and inside the brain is going to cause an exact reaction into the gut you know when we have a level of of stress response and inside the brain it basically influences neurotransmitters and then those neurotransmitters can basically decrease secretion and nutrient delivery and microbial balance inside of the gut so always remember that and, and appreciate the fact that you know those voluntary and involuntary um stressors can cause an immediate shift change into your function of the gastrointestinal system. A prime example is you get a phone call, you know, off your off your boss now to say, listen, you have to come in for an emergency meeting tomorrow. You know, your job's on the line. The first thing that you're where you're going to feel that is directly into your stomach, right? But always remember that stress response isn't just an immediate thing. It's something that can happen over a very long period of time or you could get a a phone call this morning but that level of stress response could essentially carry right the way through throughout the day Um, and this is where you know just just being very mindful of of stress management techniques is going to come into play but i just wanted to kind of get that out there from the start that you know when we do have that you know influence on the neurotransmitters so basically we have neurotransmitters in our inside of our brain that can detect stress anxiety mood and then a shift change in behavior Um, and that basically is where kind of stressors can come from Um, and when we have a a kind of a negative influence on those neurotransmitters then the influence is then the influence is then transmitted directly down into the gastrointestinal system and and it can affect the motility it can affect blood flow it can affect and the nutrient balance inside of the, the gi tract so it's just we always have to be um quite careful of that and like i suppose when we're when we're looking at then stress as a as a whole a lot of people don't necessarily understand what happens and, and the physiological difference that happens inside the body when stress is occurring so we're going to break down the the autonomic nervous system now and um, and i'm going to try and keep this as simple and as easy to follow terminology as, as i possibly can and um, but we, we have to understand that our, our autonomic nervous system is split directly down the middle so we have our our sympathetic dominance and then we have our, our parasympathetic dominance side of the nervous system and the, the easiest way to kind of think about these things and the easy way to follow is when we're thinking about sympathetic dominance i want you to think about your fight or flight response so when you're thinking about your sympathetic dominance or whenever you hear me say sympathetic dominance just always remember that that's your very high stressed environment or very high stressed side of 
the autonomic nervous system. When we have our parasympathetic dominance, so it's basically the opposing opposite, that's more of our rest and digest. So when we're thinking about like an optimal side to be in, when we're talking about, you know, physique development, when we're talking about trying to be as healthy and perform to the best of our ability, you know, a lot will will definitely show for being in that parasympathetic state most of the time. Um, But especially in, in this episode, when we're talking about, um, you know, when we're talking about gastrointestinal function and how to improve digestion, we definitely do need to be more focusing on that parasympathetic state. And when we when we say those things like the fight or flight response, that's a very big terminology to put around, but that's what's ingrained into our physiological DNA. When, when years ago, you always use this analogy with clients, years ago when we were cavemen, we used to roam the fields, okay? And this is really the easiest way for you guys to understand the autonomic nervous system. Years ago, like hundreds and thousands of years ago, when this was written into our biological DNA, we just roamed the field, you know, we hunted, we gathered, we mated, and our lives were very, very parasympathetically dominant. So we, we lived in that rest and digest state we didn't have stressors we didn't have financial issues we didn't have issues with relationship we didn't have issues with our job our lives revolved around just roaming the field mating gathering food and you know being present with family and friends and every once in a while we would get chased by a lion and being chased by a lion if we survived could last 20 30 seconds so that's our sympathetic dominance then kicking in. But as evolution um, evolved and as we became into the, the 21st century as we are now, our body still does not understand the differential between being chased by a lion and getting a phone call from work to say that you have to come in for an emergency meeting tomorrow. It's still the exact same response on the autonomic nervous system. So I'm just going to run through just a, a couple of things about the, 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 the sympathetic dominance and, you know, it will definitely correlate a lot to, to, to what, I just, what I just said. So number one thing that we can, we can recognize almost immediately about being in that sympathetic state is we will have an increase of heart rate straight away you get the phone call off the boss you know your missus says listen i need to have a chat you get a phone call off the bank to say look you know things aren't looking too good towards the mortgage or whatever it may be one of the first things that will elevate is that increase of heart rate and trust me if you're to get chased by a lion your heart rate will, would increase very very fast as well and um, we would have an increase of blood flow to the skeletal muscle we would have a constriction of blood vessels and an increase of blood pressure, which is, a, I suppose, when we're looking at this from a health point of view, we always want to try and keep blood pressure as controlled as we possibly can. And if we are consistently being in a high-stressed environment of sympathetic dominance, we are consistently having an increase of blood pressure and if any coaches listening if you were to ever have a client who came to you with a high level of blood pressure if you were to get those guys to start tracking their hrv seeing significant improvement improvements in their sleep and their hrv you would see a direct correlation in improvements in their blood pressure because like i said there is an, an almost automatic increase of that level of blood pressure and again just think back to what i said about being chased by a lion that level of, of fright to the body 
is still present and it's the exact same response on that state of the autonomic nervous system and gives us the exact same negative effects it doesn't matter if we're being chased by a lion or it doesn't matter if it's a phone call off work to say you have to come in for an emergency meeting and there's a, a stimulation of the adrenal glands to basically release the stress hormone so of course cortisol the stress hormone is going to be um is going to be released and going to be elevated and if that can't be down regulated that can cause a massive upset to sleep patterns that can cause a massive upset to digestive function but this is what we're going to speak about now it basically reduces stomach and intestinal mobility it basically will divert blood away from the gastrointestinal system and reduces the digestive enzyme secretion so if you were to think about an optimal time to try and digest a meal with blood flow being driven away from your gastrointestinal um, tract and there will be a massive reduction in the digestive enzyme secretion. Is that an ideal time to try and eat a meal? No. And this is like really where stress management techniques have to come into play and in getting a grasp on stress management techniques, but also understanding stress management and understanding the level of stress, which we'll run through now in a moment when we go through HRV testing and, and the reason as to why I suppose HRV testing is, is important to do. But then we also have the opposite side um, of of the, the autonomic nervous system where we have the, the parasympathetic state. And of course, parasympathetic is a very, very important part of the autonomic nervous system um, and will basically give us the opposing opposites to what we just spoke about it will give us a massive decrease in our heart rate it will give us a an indirect dilation of blood vessel and then in return causing a decrease in blood pressure and it will basically have you know no real involvement in the adrenal gland secreting any form of cortisol so the chances of stress hormone being elevated will not happen and um, and it will increase the stomach and intestinal mobility it will increase blood flow to the to the, to the um, gastrointestinal tract and it will increase the digestive enzyme secretion so if we're talking about what side promotes more health benefits we can have a decrease in heart rate and resting heart rate we can have a, a decrease in our blood pressure we can have an increase in everything responsible for a healthy digestive system um, and there's no real involvement in that adrenal function to secrete the stress hormone so if we're looking at phases of that autonomic nervous system and where we need to be more it's definitely in that in that parasympathetic state but now there's also something that we, we need to understand is that we need sympathetic dominance to be present as well. When we train, we're going to be in a very high sympathetic state. When we do cardio, we're going to be in a very high sympathetic state. And it's a very good saying, you know, that we strive and we, 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 we thrive through kind of sympathetic dominance, but we strive through parasympathetic dominance. Um, and, and, you know, having an allowance of that sympathetic response during exercise is, is it's fine because it has to happen. And, simply if you're not you're not training hard enough if you don't branch into that state of, of sympathetic dominance but remember that's only a very small part of our day we only train for an hour a day and we shouldn't be having a very very large overspill of sympathetic sympathetic dominance coming right the way through and this is when you know for a lot of people very small things like trying to limit your caffeine intake caffeine is a, is a direct um, you know increase of sympathetic dominance it can 
release adrenaline into the bloodstream so once adrenaline is released we are in a, a very high sympathetic state and this is for a lot of people especially my clients while I'll, I'll always recommend to try and keep coffee and caffeine away from the meals that we eat because if you intake caffeine and we have that elevation of heart rate and we have that release of adrenaline into the bloodstream we're in sympathetic dominance. We have a reduced stomach and intestinal, you know, mobility. Our body is now going to be diverting blood away from the gastrointestinal tract. So a very, very good tip and take home is to try to always avoid caffeine with the meals because we're trying to again be in that um be in that parasympathetic state. And you know, as well for, for myself, I'm a I'm a firm believer in we can only really manage and um, what we can um, measure so when we're speaking about stress and, and how I suppose we can manage stress and then put an action list in place to try and help and aid our level of digestibility and um, the, the main kind of tracking tool we'll use is HRV and HRV is heart rate variability it's basically tracks a physiological differential in heartbeat that will in return tell us um, the level of stress that the body is currently under and when we're looking at HRV, there's only really two ways we, we, can, we can track HRV and that's through either a whoop strap or through a heart rate monitor because no Fitbit or Apple Watch track your heart when it's not working. And remember, when we're trying to track HRV, we're trying to track the differential between heartbeats. So thinking very similar to that, um, very similar to that, you know, diastolic and systolic reading of, of blood pressure, it's basically trying to do the same thing. We're trying to track the on-beat, but also trying to track the off-beat. And in that off-beat, our, our, our HRV testing will track the level of stress that the body um, is currently under. And once we can, can find a, a very good foundational understanding of HRV, we can then take our level of digestibility to a complete whole new level, but not also that if we can get control under stress and get control under when we are sympathetically dominant and when we are parasympathetically dominant from a physique point of view we can amplify results and one major major factor with a lot of people that i have seen in the past is an inability to progress can as well be directly correlated to having that high level of sympathetic dominance you know if you think the negative impacts and and such an unhealthy position to be in in that sympathetic state you're not never going to be able to digest food correctly if we are trying to improve your physique we have to allow the macronutrients to fully deliver the benefit that they can get you know your proteins your carbohydrates your fats if we cannot allow for gastrointestinal function it's going to basically come in and out of the body very very quickly you know it's a very famous saying we are what we eat digest but don't excrete and we want to be putting food into our body to demand a response we want to be putting protein into our body to demand a response from protein synthesis we want to be putting carbohydrates into our body to demand a response of positive sensitivity to insulin we want to be putting fats into our body from a recovery point of view from a hormonal point of view all these macronutrients are extremely important if we are in parasympathetically dominance which is the low stressed environment will we get the full benefit from those foods absolutely will those foods hone a great response absolutely will those foods demand a very good shift change on your physique yes because we are fully digesting the macronutrients and giving our body the correct response that it needs if we are in sympathetic dominance that very high stress state 
are we going to get the same response? No. So when we're looking at HRV testing and kind of when to test, I think it's it's most beneficial to test first thing in the morning because number one, there's going to be like no caffeine in the system. And if we have gotten a, a great night's sleep, our body is going to be in a position where we can utilize um, a very low stressed environment to give us a really good baseline reading of the HRV. So for, for a lot of my clients, I'll, I'll get them to test um, first thing in the morning uh, as soon as they awaken up and um, for a lot of us again this is going to be more driven towards the stress management techniques but we'll focus a little bit on daylight exposure and meditation work which we'll go to in a moment before testing uh, the hrv and um, i suppose a, a good kind of good kind of way to kind of speak about this as well as when to implement it for clients and and who should be testing hrv i think everyone um should test hrv for a very small duration of time because what HRV will essentially give us and tell us and teach us how to do is to understand the feeling of stress. You will know if you really get get into grips of HRV testing and, and really start to understand the physiological difference and state that you are in, either sympathetic or parasympathetic, you'll know the feeling of what you are. You know, I've been testing HRV now for probably about a year and a half. And uh, when I wake up in the morning, I'll know just from how I feel what level on what side of that autonomic nervous system I'll be in but also stress management techniques are, are great and they have a very very good plan and a very good action behind them but you have to also know how aggressive you need to be and you have to understand that sometimes you know people may need very little very little um approach to stress management some people may need a lot there's no one size fits all when it comes to stress management not everyone needs to have 90 minutes a day of daylight exposure not everyone needs to have you know 30 minutes a day of meditation guided breathing work you know i have some clients who are parasympathetic all the time you know they've just nailed down their sleep they've nailed down their post-workout being able to switch off they've nailed down their you know ability to have a very very good and effective um you know transition in that state post-workout to sympathetic over to parasympathetic so they don't need any stress management techniques but then there's also some clients who, you know, five out of seven could potentially wake up in sympathetic dominance. And it's to do with, of course, a very stressful life that they live. You know, not everyone has the availability like myself or other coaches to, you know, train a couple of clients, you know, go and train yourself, have a lot of time at home to relax and unwind and be a lot more careful and cautious and, and you know, have a very low stress lifestyle. A lot of people have a very high stress lifestyle so for them hrv testing is extremely important because it can give us a very very actionable approach as to how we can condone their um their 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 stress management techniques so this is kind of what i want to speak about next is you know when to implement stress management techniques and we needed to understand hrv testing and we needed to understand when to test and, and why to test before we can basically implement an approach of stress management so there's probably three real main actions and things to do in regards to stress management that I like anyway. So number one is going to be daylight exposure. We now live in a, in a world and an environment where we spend very, very little time at home. And again, we think way back to when we developed this state of, of autonomic balance between parasympathetic and sympathetic dominance. When we used to hunt and roam the fields and live our lives 
in a very, very parasympathetically dominant environment, we spent 99.9% of our day outdoors. Now, we probably spend 60 to 70%, potentially more, of our day indoors. And now, we have higher readings of sympathetic dominance and a higher level of stress than we've ever had before. There's a direct correlation there. So the first thing that I'll do for a lot of my clients will be to set a daylight exposure target. If it's 60 minutes out of your day, that can be broken up into um, smaller segments, you know, 20, 20, 20. Or, you know, a half an hour walk before training, 15 minutes walk when you finish training, a 15 minutes walk around the block, you know, an hour before you get into bed just to really try and alleviate any stress that we have, then that's totally fine. But once you have a, a set amount of time throughout the day that you are outdoors getting that vitamin D exposure, that has been proven in studies to massively improve the level of HR, or level of kind of HRV testing that we can see. The second one is going to be meditation and guided breathing work, again, written in stone to bring resting heart rate levels and, and improve resting heart rate levels, bring resting heart rate levels down. It can show to massively have a, a shift change from sympathetically dominant over to parasympathetically dominant. Like if you were to train for argument's sake and test your HRV, of course, you'd be in very high, high level of, of sympathetic dominance. You perform 10 to 15 minutes of, of meditation work, you are then going to be directly correlated over into parasympathetic dominant. And I think, you know, when to implement these is also very, very important, both your daylight exposure and your meditation work. For myself, I like to break up my meditation and my um, daylight exposure for clients throughout the day. So I could probably set for most clients maybe 20 minutes a day of meditation work, 10 minutes of that could be done you know first thing in the morning as soon as they wake up the second 10 minutes will be either done post workout or right before we go to bed depending on the day and depending on the session if your client goes through a very very strenuous leg day and you give them 10 minutes of meditation work before they wake up 10 minutes of meditation work before you go to bed of course after legs there's going to be a massive overspill of sympathetic dominance throughout the day i think maybe potentially putting it in before bed um, may be a very wise move to make um, and the same with our, 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 our daylight exposure you know just trying to be a little bit more clever with the approach of, of breaking it up and programming it in and um, the third kind of action that we'd like to take um, in regards to stress management then would be more along the lines of supplementation. You know, a lot of my clients probably listen to this now know that 99% of us will, will utilize ashwagandha. And ashwagandha is a fantastic tool for helping with that high stress state environment of, of, of sympathetic and parasympathetic dominance. But we also have to very appreciate the fact that ashwagandha is an adaptogen so ashwagandha basically will will promote this current state of the autonomic nervous system that we are in so if we are sympathetically dominant ashwagandha will essentially promote further sympathetic dominance if we are parasympathetically dominant um, ashwagandha will promote further levels of parasympathetically dominance we'll take ashwagandha right before we go to bed and this is where you know, potentially utilizing um, your meditation and guided breathing work can enhance and really get the full benefit of ashwagandha that we need. You know, if you were to have 15 to 20 minutes of, um, you know, daylight exposure, then straight into 15 to 20 minutes of um, meditation and guided breathing work, then took your ashwagandha 20 minutes before you go to bed, the 
rate of you know your resting heart rate is going to be extremely low from meditation guided breathing work your state of autonomic nervous balance is going to be more presented in a parasympathetic state then return taking your ashwagandha right before bed can have massive implications on promoting further levels of parasympathetic state before we go to bed and again we we always want to respect the fact that your parasympathetic state of the autonomic nervous system is called the rest and digest everything throughout the list of benefits we can get from parasympathetically dominant state will promote a healthy sleep cycle will having you know a sympathetic dominance have a have a healthy sleep cycle i don't think so an increase in heart rate an increase in the stress hormone everything is going to be um driven more towards an unhealthy sleep cycle as opposed to a healthy sleep cycle so inside of that we kind of covered a lot really and I suppose the main real take-homes that I wanted to put across in this podcast was for everyone to really understand, number one, the, the correlation of stress that happens inside the body. And, you know, when, when we undergo either a physical activity or we get some sort of a mental response, exactly what happens um, to that autonomic nervous system and where your body will be, but also the, the response that your body will get. And for, for a lot of us, you know, like I said it, at the very start of the podcast, we will we will have digestive issues consistently. But one thing we don't address and look at is the state of stress that the body is under. So for anyone who has any form of digestive issue, I would highly recommend you to start tracking HRV. If you can improve the level of HRV readings that you are getting on a daily basis, you will have a direct improvement of your um, of your um, digestive function and when we're looking at as well you know kind of meal timings to kind of correlate directly with um with what we're speaking about in regards to stress hormone there are a lot of things we can do to improve this as well um you know having food first thing in the morning i think is, is a fantastic idea and um, i think you know ha- implementing certain things like intermittent fasting when you were in a very high stress environment may not be the wise move to make you know studies have shown that that increased level of of ghrelin is a direct correlation in promoting further sympathetic dominance as well so if you're pushing your first meal out till 12 11 or 1 p.m whatever your fasting window may be always remember that having that increased hunger hormone present is going to increase that level of sympathetically dominant and um, it's going to increase that level of sympathetic dominance having a meal first thing in the morning i think is potentially the best thing that we can possibly do because if you wake up in a parasympathetic state and we have food you're basically going with the grain of parasymp- parasympathetic dominance you know your body is in a very very good time to utilize that food intake and obviously, of course, you know, when we're looking at food right before we go to bed, I think eating before we go to bed is a very is, is a healthy thing to do. Um, but just making smarter food choices before we go to bed. And, you know, something that I love to say, you know, the parasympathetic state, of course, is that state of rest and digest. But when we go to bed, we just want to focus on the part of rest and you know when we are asleep you know studies have been shown that even though we're in a state of parasympathetic dominance we can have a decrease in gastrointestinal and blood flow so is going is like throwing down a steak or throwing down a domino's pizza before you go to bed the best thing to do from a digestive point of view not necessarily now we still can digest food while we sleep just our body likes to digest 
easier to digest food sources so pick like proteins carbohydrates fats that are a lot easier to digest where a lot of my clients will have things like natural greek yogurt with some dark chocolate maybe some whey protein and a small bit of um you know frozen berries in there a really good protein and fat source but your body is going to digest that extremely fast and extremely easily like that versus steak and in avocado right before you go to bed there's going to be a huge correlation there between can we digest that food or not steak and avocado not necessarily may cause an upset in digestive function may cause an elevation of stress may push further sympathetic dominance um, and as well i suppose we might as well speak about post-workout nutrition is very important in this kind of segment and everything that we're speaking about um today as well of course post-workout nutrition is fundamentally important for growth for recovery for replenishment of glycogen um, but when to have the meal is is i think the most important you know one of the i suppose one of the biggest bro science things you can ever think of is people say as soon as you finish your workout you have to get your protein shake in immediately well, you can now turn around to them and say, well, as soon as I finish my workout, I am in a state of sympathetic dominance. Is that the right time to start necking down a protein shake? Absolutely not. What we need to start doing is tracking resting heart rate. I don't think tracking HRV post, post-workout is a wise thing to do because HRV trackers are going to go off day-to-day readings and day-to-day data. And if you are tracking your HRV this morning, then track your HRV after training, your HRV tracker or Elite HRV is the app that I like to use for all my clients. Um, Elite HRV won't recognize that you've just trained. So they'll basically just see like a really high elevation of stress. And then the next day when you track your HRV, it's going to go off yesterday's readings. So if you have like the lower the HRV score, the worse. So if you read like a 25, a 30, which is a very, very bad score in a HRV test, and then the next day you read like 60 or 70, it's going to just base it off what yesterday's was. So your readings may be a little bit skewed. Um, so I just wanted to say that because I don't want people to start tracking their HRV post-workout. Um, but the best way to do it is to track your resting heart rate. So when you wake up first thing in the morning, you're in the most relaxed environment, track your RHR. And then when you finish training, when your RHR has returned as close to that as we possibly can, nine times out of 10, level of sympathetic dominance is going to be hugely downregulated. We're going to have a now, now a, a kick in of parasympathetically dominant because that resting heart rate has come down so much. So that's going to be a lot more of an optimal time to start digesting food intake post-workout um, when your resting heart rate has returned down to its, uh, its normal level again. And I suppose having a really healthy relationship around eating behaviors is very important in this scenario as well and we always have to respect the fact that when stress is elevated and like we said in that part in that sympathetic dominance that we're not going to be able to digest food correctly but like you know this is when i suppose this 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 stress management technique is very very effective when we're talking about the involuntary responses of stress when we're looking at that involuntary response of of stress and having a meal throughout that time of course is not an optimal scenario but i don't want you to starve if you're having a stressful day either and um, so implementing things like a 5 10 15 20 rule um, is a fantastic um, approach to use you know precision nutrition um, utilizes a lot with with their students and their clients um, and it's basically trying to have five really big deep belly breaths right before you sit down to the meal Having these really big, deep belly breaths, just like going through um, what a, a guided breathing session would be like, 
you know, a big inhale, three to four seconds, big exhale, three to four seconds, five, um, I was going to say reps, you can tell I'm a, I'm a PT, five reps of, of breaths, five breaths um, before the meal starts. Having 10 seconds between each, um, you know, each, each mouthful or each time you put kind of fork to mouth, having 10 seconds and a long 10 second gap between each one to make sure that number one, you know, heart rate is being consistent throughout the whole meal. And um, but number two, you're you're giving between each mouthful and each chew and each bite, um, you're giving your body enough time to at least let the food pass through the esophagus and start to make its its way down through the digestional tract. You know, we don't want everything going in at once. It's nice to have a little bit of a break and your 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 gastrointestinal system will appreciate the fact that you are taking time between each bite to allow it to, to work its magic. Um having at least kind of 15 chews per bite as well is a very very good rule to use you know we're trying to break down the food you know and the, the first um the first phase of the gastrointestinal function will come from the teeth um, you know when you start to break down and you start to chew your food correctly your brain will send a direct signal down to your gastrointestinal system to start producing the acid that it needs to digest the food correctly this is where a kind of a a question comes into things like smoothies and things like protein shakes because when we don't have that brain signal to the stomach to digest the the nutrients correctly and then the acid to break down the food and, and break down the nutrient content inside the food if you were to drink a smoothie or a protein shake for argument's sake would that would you get the same response from a gastrointestinal point of view you know would you get the same digestibility if the acid isn't present just some some food for thought on that one um, and then, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of light activity post um, post consumption of the meal is a uh, is a very, very useful, useful tool to have. You know, when we get up, maybe do our 20 minutes of daylight exposure for argument's sake um, post workout or post workout, post meal um, could be a very, a very useful tool. So I suppose some some big take homes um, for, from that podcast. And I hope everyone kind of has a, a, a much clearer understanding of the in-depth approach to stress management around food intake but also just around that autonomic nervous system as well we we we, we have to kind of understand and these are some really big take-homes i want everyone to really understand that when we're in the level of parasympathetically dominance we will have a decrease in blood pressure that's extremely important we will have an increase of that stomach and intestinal mobility and there's there's a an increase of blood flow to the digestive tract but there's also an increase of the enzyme secretion so again think back what we said there about the food when we start to chew that food down if we are in sympathetic dominance we're not going to get that enzyme and acid and um, secretion that's needed for the breakdown of food intake when we're in that sympathetically dominant state of course is an increase of blood pressure there is a, a stimulation of that adrenal gland to secrete the stress hormone there's a reduced um stomach and intestinal mobility and uh, you know a decrease or, or a divert of blood flow away from the gastrointestinal tract and there's a, a reduced enzyme secretion so again we're not going to get that adequate level of of you know brain to belly function um when we're speaking about i suppose perfect times to have our meals as well i think it's a very important thing to take home as well and um, you know i think when when hrv says it's okay to have the meal first thing in the morning and you know we test our hrv and we're in a, a parasympathetic state you have a green light to start having that meal if you woke up first thing in the morning and tested um high sympathetic dominance 
is it the right time to have a meal then you know so this is where as well you know big take homes with that hrv is very important understanding the level of stress that we're in you know we can only manage what we can measure if we're not tracking hrv and if you find you're in a very high stress environment how do you know the differential between the state of the autonomic nervous system that you are in if you don't have a tool and um, if you don't have a tool to track it and the stress management techniques are extremely important you know focusing on your daylight exposure focusing on your meditation and guided breathing work and utilizing things like that 15 that that 5 10 15 and 20 uh, rule about um digestion so i i hope i i covered everything as simple and easy to understand um as i possibly could if anybody listening has any questions about anything that um i spoke about today please drop me a a dm on instagram i'd be happy to to, to further answer that and um, we're gonna have a, a very very interesting uh, guest i won't say who it is just yet and um, next on the podcast running through um some training strategies and periodization and um, within training because we haven't really spoke about training that much um on the podcast yet and on myself and mark did in episode one um, but we haven't necessarily spoken about it um, that just yet so I'm really looking forward to the next episode thank you very much for, for listening along I hope there were some good take homes in that and I will see you all at the next episode